Alright, so we'll grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Um, if you were here last week, uh, you know we finished up our series going through the book of Hebrews. We were in Hebrews all fall. And uh, beginning in January, we're going to start a new series in the Gospel of John. And I'm real excited about that. Uh, but uh, this morning and next week, we'll be looking at some Christmas passages. And today we're going to look at uh, Matthew 1. <coughs> and somehow... These verses that we are going to look at this morning, I look back, I keep records of what I've preached when, and I have never actually preached this exact passage. I'm sure I've referred to it in some sermons, but somehow in all the Christmas messages I've preached and all the things I've taught on, um, I've never looked at this passage <clears throat> just by itself. And I'm excited about it because it's a, it's a rich and it's a powerful message. When we're looking at verses um, 18 through 24 this morning. Let me just say that in these few verses... Um, we see a lot about what Christmas is really supposed to be. We see a lot about who Jesus is and why he came to earth. And and I would dare say that that if this Christmas, for some reason, you didn't experience anything else Christmas but this passage, say that for some reason you didn't get together with family, you didn't even get any gifts. Can you imagine that, kids, teenagers? No gifts. No family, no Christmas lights, no Christmas tree, no traditions. I would dare say even if for some reason we didn't experience any of those things this year, yet you experienced and understood the truths in these few verses, you'd have Christmas. I mean, this is what it's really about, what we're going to look at this morning. So look with me beginning in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now let's just think for a moment about what's going on in these verses. First of all, you have this young couple, probably teenagers, or at least Mary was, and they were engaged to be married, and she became pregnant. Now engagement is a serious thing now, I know, but it was even a more serious thing 2,000 years ago in that Jewish culture. To be engaged really was the equivalent of already being married. You just hadn't consummated the marriage and begun to live together yet. So it was a very serious thing that she became pregnant, and it was not by her fiancé. In fact, Joseph, if he had wanted to, could have brought this to the attention of the local leaders and had her stoned to death for committing adultery because she was pregnant and by someone that wasn't him. But being a godly and a righteous man, when he believed for a moment that she had committed adultery, he just was going to quietly let her go and show her grace and show her mercy. But then he has this dream, and an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, this child that that Mary has conceived, she's not cheated on you, right? She's, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and this is the coming Messiah. This is the one that the, 
The prophet Isaiah prophesied about 750 years ago. This is the one you've been waiting for. The one who's come to save you from your sins. To save the world from their sins. And so I want to just take a moment and look back and and look at three important things in this passage. If you're taking notes, this will be really clear, really easy to grasp. But I hope it gets from here to here this morning, right? I hope it's not just, okay, I got those three points. I understand this passage. But I hope it impacts you in your heart as you reflect on what this really means. So we're going to see three reasons Jesus came to earth. And each of these is important to the meaning of Christmas. The first thing we're going to see in verse 20 is this, that Jesus came to show us God. Right? Jesus came to show us who God is. Look at verse 20 again. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What this means is this is Jesus is God coming to earth. He was not just another great teacher or another great prophet, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of a virgin. This is God come to earth. He was God in the flesh. Now, what's so significant about that? What's so exciting about that? Well, there's, there's actually a lot of things, but one of the most important things to understand is by Jesus coming to earth, by God coming to earth in the form of a man, now we know exactly who, what God is like. We already knew through creation somewhat. We already knew through Scripture and through prophets and through miracles God had done. But now we get this clear picture. We just went through the book of Hebrews. Do you remember what chapter 1, verse 3 said? It said, the Son is the radiance of God's glory. And listen to this. And the exact expression of His nature. In Jesus, we get to see what God is like exactly. You know, it's becoming increasingly difficult to be an atheist these days. Right when when Darwin came up with evolution, it was back in the mid 1800s, and and when he was saying all this happened by an accident and just by uh, macro evolution and all this stuff, he he had no idea what was really going on inside our bodies. He knew nothing about DNA. Right? I, I feel like every atheist should have just surrendered when we discovered DNA. There's like there's just no way. There's absolutely no way that we are here by accident. There's just no way. So what's happened, I think, a lot of people who used to say they're atheists, they almost have to say, you know, there's just, there's just too much intelligence in our design to, to deny that. So, so I'm not an atheist, and I'm not saying they're doing this in a mean militant way. I mean, many of them are honest strugglers and doubters. I feel like very few people are hanging on to be an atheist anymore because of how complicated our bodies are. There's just no way it was a random accident. But there are still a lot of people who are agnostic. You know what that means? That's people who say, okay, I'm going to agree with you, there must be some kind of God, but but we can't really know who this God is and what He's like. And the great thing about Jesus is He is God come to earth, showing us exactly what God is like. He's the exact expression of His nature. And And listen, it's not just that He was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit that we know He was God. While He lived here on earth, He proved again and again with His miracles that He really was God, that He is God. Those miracles were not just a circus or a sideshow. If you go back and read through Scripture, He was always proving something. He was always pointing towards some truth. And so we see Him have power over nature. I mean, that's what God should be able to do, right? God should have power over nature and over sickness and over evil and over death. And that's exactly what Jesus displayed. He displayed power over nature when He calmed the storm and when He walked on water. He displayed power 
over sickness when He healed the blind and the lame and the lepers. He displayed power over evil when He cast out demons. He displayed power over death when He raised Lazarus up and when He Himself rose from the dead. And so Jesus made it clear that He is truly God, not just by the virgin birth, but by His life and by His miracles. And He's showing us exactly who God is, the exact expression of His nature. So, Let me just pause for a moment and and ask you this question. Are you really worshiping the God that Jesus has shown us in His life and in Scripture? Because a lot of us, it's easy to make God into what we want Him to be, right? We've all done that to some degree in our lives at some point. And often we just, we, we make Jesus into what we want Him to be. I've read through the Bible, I don't know how many times, and again, this year as I read through the Bible, there, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. You may, you may think I'm crazy about it. There's sometimes still I read things Jesus said. I'm like, wow, I, I, that still blows me away. I'm not sure I ever paid attention to that before. So I feel like God is continually refining my view of who He really is through Jesus and showing me clearly who He is. My question is, are you really knowing and worshiping the Jesus of the Bible? This a couple, a friend of ours, um, a couple Amy and I have been witnessing to, sharing the gospel with. And um, and a, while, a few weeks ago, Jamie, the, the husband, he sent me a link to a podcast, and it was something about Jesus. And at first, I thought, hey, this is this is great. You know, I'm glad I've been giving him books to read, and they've been they've been reading everything we've asked them to. We've had some great conversations. We're going through the Book of Mark together, and um, so he sent me this link, and and I knew he wanted me to listen to it. And I'm not a big podcast person. I like books for some reason. I'm not a the listen to stuff kind of person. And it was an hour and 20 minutes long. And I thought, hey, he's he's reading all this stuff I'm asking him to, so I'm going to listen to this. And so I put in an AirPod and went on my, got on my bike and went for a ride. I never listened to music or podcasts while I'm riding, but I did this day. And I listened to this hour and 20 minutes. And at first, I thought, man, this guy's a great storyteller, and he's talking about Jesus. I'm glad, I'm glad this couple friend of ours is listening to this guy. And then he got a little further in. And here, I'm going to sum up an hour and 20 minutes of what he said. He said, I am following Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible, because I know Jesus personally, and I have this experience with him, and and what he tells me often doesn't match up with the Bible and what I was taught growing up, but that's okay, because I know the real Jesus now. It's like Jesus has progressed and grown up since 2,000 years ago in the Bible. And just to be honest, I was I was pedaling pretty fast at times listening to this guy. There was part of me that was thinking, if I could get a hold of this guy right now, I'd beat him up and then ask for forgiveness. I'm just like, this guy is, is just making me so angry that this guy's speaking such lies into these friends of ours. I mean, these are good friends of ours that we love and care about. So we were having Bible study the next night, and Jamie just asked me, he said, but hey, what did you think about that podcast? And first I said, hey, what did you think about it? And, and I said, Jamie, listen, I can see why you'd like this guy. He's a great storyteller. He's entertaining. And I kept it simple, and 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 Jamie, I think received this the way I meant it, in just a loving, kind way. I just said, "Listen, here here's what it boils down to. This guy says he knows Jesus, but his Jesus doesn't match up with the people who actually knew Jesus on earth, his best friends, his disciples, who wrote down what they knew about Jesus. So if if someone came up to me and was telling me they knew my best friend, but they were telling me all different things than what I knew to be true about my best friend, I'm going to say we're not talking about the same person. And that's the case with this guy. He wants to say, oh. You know, I'm not into that Jesus of the Bible, but I know the real Jesus. Listen, the real Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. There were eyewitnesses that saw him do these things. They wrote him down. These guys went to their death proclaiming that Jesus was God and that they saw him raised from the dead. 
And so my question for you, and it's a question for me, is am I really worshiping God as Jesus revealed Him to us? Or have I made Him into some version I want Him to be that's maybe um, maybe not so challenging or convicting in some ways or, or whatever it is. I mean, we, we change Him in all kinds of ways. But we got to say, okay, I want to know Jesus is revealed in Scripture because this is God come to earth. And it's exciting when you get to know Him in that way. It's exciting to know you can really know God as He is. So Jesus came to show us God. The second thing we see in these verses is Jesus came to save us from our sins. Look at verse 21. And she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Listen, a lot of the Jewish people thought at the time that when the Messiah came, he was going to save Jerusalem and throw off the Romans and, and reestablish an earthly kingdom. But what they came to understand is Jesus didn't come to change earthly kingdoms. He came to save us from our sins and the penalties we deserve to save us from God's wrath and give us eternal life. You see, we are created by this eternal God, and we've rebelled against Him. We've sinned and gone our own way. And because we've sinned against an eternal, almighty God, we deserve an eternal punishment and hell separated from Him. But the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died for our sins to save us, to make us right with God. I wanted to let you hear from Nick Tafoya this morning. Nick, I'm going to invite you up. Some of you, if you heard his baptism last year, you heard a bit of his testimony. Um, you probably heard part of this story, but I, as I was working on this this week, I thought it would be just good to hear someone share how they came to this, this realization um, that Jesus came to save us, to rescue us. Yeah, I remember hearing Nick share part of that story in a discipleship group I was in with him, and then also at his baptism, I wanted him to share that again. You know, I, him, I remember him saying that, you know, he had always tried to work to save himself by his own good deeds. And something about hearing the Christmas story explained as a rescue mission of God coming to earth to save us, him being with his military background, just really resonated with him. And, and so I, I, I want you to think about that this morning, that Jesus came to save us. He, think about this. He did not come tell us how to save ourselves. He came to save us. And there's a difference. A lot of people think, well, he came to show me how to do all these good things. If I follow these good things, I can earn my way to heaven. But the Bible says none of us can really do that. We're all sinners that need him to save us. And if you haven't yet believed that, if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus for your salvation, as, as Ben Belasco testified to this morning, if you've not yet done that, and stay afterwards, talk with us. We'd love to tell you more about that. Have that conversation. So Jesus came to... Show us God. He came to um, save us from our sins. And then finally, Jesus came to dwell with us. Look at verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And when he says here his prophet, he's talking about the prophet Isaiah 750 years previous to this. And here's what Isaiah had said. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So he's named Emmanuel. I really think of this as kind of in two, from two angles. One is because he literally is God with us, but also because his mission was to bring us to God or to bring God to us. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come just to save us from eternal death, but to invite us into eternal life with him. It's not just, hey, I don't have to go to hell and face wrath and judgment, but it is I can actually have this relationship with God that begins at my salvation now and goes on forever through all eternity. 
as Nick said, you know, in the Garden of Eden, we were created for a relationship with God. It's our sin that has separated us, but Jesus has come to bring us back into this right relationship with God where our sins are forgiven and we can be in God's presence. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 puts it this way. It says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You see, Christmas is about us being brought back to God, reconciled to God through Jesus. And so let me ask you in this final point to ask, let me ask you to reflect on this question. Jesus came to save us from our sins, but also to unite us with God so we can enjoy a relationship with Him. Are you enjoying that relationship with Him? I've said in past sermons that the gift of, of Christmas, that the, the, the present is His presence. Right? A big part of Christmas is the greatest present of all is that we can be in God's presence, pure and righteous in His sight, enjoying the relationship we're made for. And so many people, they call themselves Christians, they go to church, they even read their Bibles, they don't have joy. They're just trying to keep a bunch of rules like Nick used to try because they think they got to follow A, B, and C to get to heaven. But when you realize you're forgiven by grace through faith as a gift of God, and you're made a right with Him and you now enjoy this relationship with Him, then you do A, B, and C because you want to, right? Not because you're on your way to heaven, as Nick explained. The present is His presence. Are you enjoying that? Do you look forward to spending time in prayer? Do you look forward to spending time in His Word? Do you look forward to gathering with the church to worship Him? Because if you don't, would you just confess that to God this morning? First of all, make sure you're really saved, that you've trusted Jesus for salvation, but then to say, God, would you just help me to enjoy You? A big part of the Christian walk and Christian relationship with God is joy. Enjoying God, enjoying His Word, enjoying His presence, enjoying the relationship that Jesus has brought us into. Are you really enjoying His presence? I want to encourage you in the coming days, cut out some of the distractions and the noise in your life and get in a quiet, still place with God and His Word. Pray talking to Him, and then allow Him to speak to you through His Word. We have devotion books there in the back that can help you with that. If you need help learning how to read the Bible, man, just holler at me. Get with your life group leader. Let one of us help you. But there is great joy in a relationship with God. I hope you are enjoying it. So how do we respond to this this morning? Let's just quickly go back through this. First of all, let me ask you these, let me ask you these three questions to wrap up. Does your view of God match Jesus? Right, when you think about God, when you worship God, does it match up with who Jesus shows us in the Bible? Man, go back and read through the Gospels and let God help you have a more accurate view of who He really is through Jesus. Have you trusted Him to save you from your sins? Or are you trying to work and earn your own salvation? And there have been so many people in our church recently, I feel like, that have as adults, have said, you know what, I knew about God and I knew some things about the gospel and about Christianity, but but in reality, I was not trusting Jesus to save me. I was working my way to heaven, and that is not the message of the Bible today. Maybe you just need to say, God, I've been trying to earn it by my own good deeds, and I just need to say today, God, I'm a sinner who could never work my way to heaven, but I believe Jesus died in my place for my sins, and I'm going to trust in Christ alone save me. Again, stay afterwards. Talk with us about that if you're 
have any if you have any question. And the last question, are you enjoying your relationship with him? And I just covered that. And would you make time? Would you make time with him in his word and in prayer a priority? Would you make worship and life group a priority? Enjoy the relationship with God. I will tell you that the better you get to know God, the more you're going to want to know Him and the more you're going to enjoy Him. If 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 God is a grind to you, <laughs> something's wrong. right? Either you don't really know the God of the Bible that Jesus has revealed to us, or you've let Satan come in and lie to you and you've begun to believe that God only loves you when you do everything perfect. When you realize He loves you and saved you, even though you're a sinner, that changes everything. And you have a heart to love Him and worship Him and enjoy Him and live for Him. And I tell you, when you're really enjoying Him, you'll naturally want others to know and enjoy Him too, right? All of you, you've had a favorite food and you just want other people to try it. Those of you that know me, you know I'm a picky eater. And so you people are like my worst nightmare when you're like, this is so good, you've got to try it. I'm like, it's not going to happen. I just don't try new foods unless maybe it's a slight variation on pizza or something. I just don't, or hamburgers. I'm just like that. But listen, when you enjoy something, you want everybody else to enjoy it. And no one's having to tell you to tell them about it, right? If you're enjoying God, then this thing we call the Great Commission happens naturally. You want to tell people about Jesus because you want everybody to know him like you do. Um, let me. I read 2 Corinthians 5.19 earlier. Let me end by reading the verse after that. I'll start in 19. It says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's the Gospel. Now listen as it goes on. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You and I have this message that people can be made right with God, reconciled to Him. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Listen to this. Think about how amazing this is. God is making His appeal through us to other people to come to God. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Let me encourage you, as you enjoy your relationship with God, would you be faithful to invite others into that same relationship through Jesus? Would you say to them, you're created for God. Would you come back to God through Jesus? At Christmas in Luke chapter 2, we see angels and shepherds proclaiming the good news of the gospel that people can be saved through Jesus. You and I, at Christmas and really all year, we should be proclaiming that same thing. Would you pray with me? Before I close this in prayer, let me just ask these questions one more time. Does your view of God match Jesus? Today, maybe you need to commit to get back in the Word and have an accurate view of God through Jesus as revealed in Scripture. Have you trusted Him to save you from your sins? If you have any doubt about that, stay afterwards and talk with us, please. Are you enjoying your relationship with Him? The relationship you're made for? Today, would you commit to cut out some of the distractions that are eating up your time and spend time with Him in His Word and in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You created us, that You gave us physical life, Lord, that You created us for a relationship with You. And Lord, we all confess, we admit, God, that while we were created for You, God, we rebelled against You in our sinfulness. 
Rather than bowing and worshiping You, God, we try to be God ourselves and go our own way and do our own thing. Lord, we thank You that though we've sinned in that way and we deserve wrath and judgment, Lord, through Jesus, You came to bring us back to You to pay a debt we could never pay. To not just save us from eternal death, but to give us eternal life. Lord, today, may each one of us make sure we've trusted in Jesus for our salvation. And Lord, may we enjoy You. And then as a natural overflow of enjoying You, Lord, may we tell others about You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.